Thanks for listening to the Providence Community Church Podcast. We hope you've been inspired today to love Jesus more deeply. For more information and other ways to connect with us, you can visit us on the web at providencecommunity.org. But uh, um, the, uh, what I have on my heart this morning is, is more of a personal testimony than like a, a really like let's hit our Bibles and get into Scripture. We're going to be in the Bible, and in fact, if you have one or if it's on your, on your phone or you have, uh, uh, you know, have it like this, uh, actually open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 30. There's a passage of Scripture here. It's one verse in particular, but we're going to go from Isaiah 30 to Isaiah 49 uh, and a few other little places. But there's, there's some verses that have been ringing my bell, but I think they've been ringing my bell because they're kind of um, an exclamation mark on the season that God has me in right now at this season of my life. And so um, permission to kind of share personal testimony this morning. All right? I think there's power in that. Um, I want to let you know that... Uh, um, I've, I've been the, the pastor at Providence now since the very beginning. It's been about 11 and a half years, and I'm having the best time of my life. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying you guys, and I'm enjoying the, uh, my family, and I'm enjoying just life in general uh, more than I ever have ever. Um, it's a really good season of my life, and, and really if I was going to title this season of my life, this chapter in my story, I would actually call this, though, uh, a season of tears. These aren't the tears of mourning or tears of loss or tears of pain or tears of sorrow. Uh, these are tears of reacquaintance with the Father. Um, it's hard for me to talk lately about Jesus without starting to lose it emotionally. And so I would call that a good thing. I think we need to lose it emotionally more than we grab a hold of ourselves and hang on there. Because um, the, these are tears for me of, uh, the, they're, they're representative of tears of breakthrough. Uh, sometimes when you're crying, it's not you losing it emotionally and, 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 and sinning. It's not emotionalism. That's what the, a Pharisee would say. But sometimes when you're crying, it's uh, what's been holding you back is now coming out. It's actually, uh, it's actually seeds of breakthrough coming out of your life. And this is what's been going on uh, in my world. This is the season that God has me in, and it's a new season for me because I, I haven't been able to cry much for years, <laughs> um, for years, actually, since I was a boy. Um, I saved for, have you guys ever seen the movie Where the Red Fern Grows? You remember that? Um, well, I, I, I saved for five years when I was a little boy for a, a red-boned coonhound, and I bought one, and then a horse on the farm that I lived on trampled it to death, and I remember crying at the grave of that dog uh, for weeks. But that's the last time I really remember crying, even though my parents had just gone through a, a crazy weird divorce, and my dad was a pastor, and the church excommunicated us. And to this day, there's baggage there. Um, but that's the last time I really remember crying uh, really good. In fact, a few years ago, I went to one of my good friends, and he's a mentor in my life named Dave Wiedis, and he's the, the director of uh, Serving Leaders Ministries in Westchester. It's a counseling ministry. Uh, sometimes you just need to go get good counsel from a trusted friend. And uh, my wife and I would go to him uh, about uh, once a month for two and a half years. And I was sitting in his office uh, one day, and I was sharing him, uh, with him some of the, uh, the grievous pain that I've gone through, some of the, the backstabbing ridiculousness that I had to experience in the church. Like, not this one, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, but, of course, being a pastor is really hard. 
uh, every person you look at, you have to hold, hold them tight and loosely at the same time, you know? It's hard. Do you, do you know that being a pastor is you're called to love people with all of your heart, and then they don't even say bye when they go? And so it's your heart being ripped out a hundred million times, and that hurts. It just got real. I told you this testimony, okay? I'm just using you as my counselor. Uh, but uh, so my counselor friend, I was sharing all of this stuff with him and kind of the, the weight of ministry and the, the hard stuff. Um, and he, Dave said to me, he said, he said, Nathan, the stuff that you shared, should, you should be laying on the floor in tears. The stuff that you shared, he goes, Nathan, a normal person will be crying their eyes out as they're squeaking out these things. And I said to him something like, well, Dave, you just don't know the man that I am. I'm not like most men. I've got like a heart of steel. And he says, well, that's the problem. It's very interesting that men's ministries and stuff always have to be iron. When biblical manhood is tenderness and meekness and strength. And so what Dave tells me is, is Nathan, he said, I can't counsel you anymore until you find out where your tears are. And that was three years ago. And now I'm in a season where I believe that I've found where my tears are because it's hard for me to hold them back. And I've needed this breakthrough for so long. But I, to I told you that uh, just a few months ago, right around Christmas, we went to Sight and Sound and saw Jesus. And like right from the very start, I cried next to a, a nurse lady and she was scared. Uh, and then I, 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 I was my, my daughter, Grace, and she's got this real like leader anointing on her life. She's very engaged by people who run businesses. She's very intrigued by people who run businesses. And she's all, she just has a, a, a wise, heavenly gift to understand what should happen and uh and she so she's kind of obsessed with this show called undercover boss right where the boss goes in uh posed as someone weird and nobody knows who he or she is and then at the end they start they start blessing people who've done a great job encouraging people who need to get better and then firing people who are just cancer to the organization and Grace loves this. And I was watching one of those episodes with her where the boss was literally bestowing the, the, just the bounty of the organization, like tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars on people. And I was weeping and crying. And Ethan looks over at me and says, Dad, are you crying? I'm like, nobody look at me. You know, I, I'm always trying to hide my tears. Like, yes, okay. I'm crying at Undercover Boss. Why are you crying? It's just, it's just, it's, it's the heart of the king coming out in a very small way, blessing people that didn't know they could be blessed. It's the small people being seen. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Father's heart. And it, and it just mesmerizes me in the weirdest way how in the church we think that the pitiful is spiritual and not the, the abundance of the kingdom. We have to get way more acclimated with the heart of the Father. Way more acclimated with the heart of the Father. Dads, none of us would give nothing to our children at Christmas and call that spiritual. But we, we serve a spiritual religious system that says that. And there's it's no reason that we're spiritually bankrupt, more, more bitter than, the, than we are blessed in the church today. 
my opinion, there's all kinds of problems with the church. There's all kinds of systems failures. There's all kinds of leadership issues. You just Google mega church pastors and you find all kinds of nasty. But in my opinion, the biggest problems aren't the sisters, systems and the, the structures, but that we've lo- left the heart of the gospel. I just think that that Holy Spirit can show up in big gatherings and small ones alike and broken systems and ones that work. And I just want to share with you this morning that, that God's led me to this place where I'm not, a, uh, I'm not like a theologian in this area, but I am starting to learn the secret to my tears. And I'm wondering if maybe it would be like a key this morning, if I just share my story with you, if I open the scriptures to you, that I've unlocked some of the places in, in my tears and uh, my heart, because tears are kind of hidden under the, the iron fear-filled places of our souls, and we don't let them out because we're scared, we don't even feel. Some of us, our religiosity, our Phariseeism that we just call Christianity, really what it is is we just like to feel good and go to church and sing a hymn, go home and eat something with corn in it. <laughs> call it church, but your heart is nowhere near the, the, near the heart of the Father. Your heart is, is somewhere outside the, the courts of the kingdom. Corn distracted you, did it not? All right? <laughs> I forgot this is South Central Pennsylvania, all right, where corn is such a stumbling block. Uh, but uh, let, let, me, let me tell you the, the two main places that have unlocked the, the good tears in my heart, all right? And here's the first place. It is just simply this. It's encountering the Father's love. It's easy as that. Encountering the Father's love, just being wrecked by the magnificent love of God that, that where I don't have to try to be acceptable to him, he just loves me because he loves me because he loves me. That is what has broken through to my heart. Encountering the Father's love, and tears have been unlocked, and I've experienced the Father's pursuit. I've experienced the Father's embrace more. Um, The story of the prodigal is so beautiful because it shows the heart of the Father most, that when the, the young son who just squandered his father's wealth, and that is us, is it not, for many of us. We've squandered the Father's wealth. We think that we can do life better on our own. We think that we would be happier if we made our own calls. We think that we could, if I could just be rich and spend my money on whatever I want to spend it on, my life would be happier. The whole time the Father is waiting in anticipation and expectation for this son of his who squandered everything to return. And this is the heart of the Father that when the son returns who did squander everything, he doesn't prize his wealth over his boy, and he runs to meet him, and he bathes him in love, not shame, guys. This is biblical Christianity, and that's wrecked me in such great ways. I've actually been seeing the world differently as I've been encountering the Father's love. My family and I went to Olive Garden. We, we tell our kids, where do you want to go? And we're actually thinking someplace cool, but they want to go to Olive Garden. You know, I get tired of noodles sometimes, you know, all right? I just kind of went, if I'm going to spend money on a meal, I want steak, right? That wasn't funny to some of you. It's corn, noodles, you take seriously. I see that. <laughs> but I remember this guy uh, came to our table. He was just uh, delivering us our, our drinks to the table, and uh, he was happy. And I just remember looking at him and just getting wrecked because I was feeling 
otherworldly compassion for a guy that I'd never even seen before. I was, man, I was just like, and, and, and my wife felt it too, and she even kind of put words to it. She was like, oh, wow. <laughs> the guy's like, here's your water, and he crept off. I was trying to not let my, my family notice that I was crying again. And it was just so good. Listen, guys, like, when you know that he loves you just because he loves you, when you know that he loves you not because you earned it, when you uh, know that he loves you not because you're, you're standing out in the crowd, but when you know he loves you even when you're getting lost in it, when you know that he loves you not because of your worth or your value or, or you've done something to deserve it, you know that he loves you just because he's that good and just because he wants you, it starts to break religion places in your heart. And religion will shout at a billion decibels that you have to try hard, that you have to get good, that you have to walk gingerly around the Father because he might be angry today. But I want to let you know that the Father was angry at your sin, but the Son paid for all of them. And now he delights in you and he sees you with the righteousness of his Son, and he, and he wants to have fun with you. Um, I, uh, there's this uh, saying going around uh, social media, and it says something like this. It's, uh, it's kind of like two, two uh, postures. One is Phariseeism, religion. Uh, I could throw some, I, I'd love to throw some weird denominations in them. I, you know, I used to be a Baptist, and so I pick on them all the time. So if you want to write Baptist over this, if it feels good to your heart, do, go ahead and do that. <laughs> People always leave Providence every time I throw a Baptist under. They're like, hey, just get over your denomination, man. Like, come on. But here's the one thing. I really messed up. Dad is going to kill me. That's what Phariseeism says. That is, that is not terminology of the kingdom. Here's, here's how a son and daughter talks. I really messed up. I need to call dad. And this is how we should parent. It's not, dad, I wrecked the car. Or, are you okay, buddy? I'm coming to get you right now. Just cares about, how are you? Uh, a Pharisee cares about the car over you, your performance over his pleasure and delight in you. Uh, here's another way that you, that you know you're probably a, uh, a happy Pharisee. Corn-eating, noodle-slurping, all right? <laughs> If you can't receive a compliment without saying, oh, glory to God. <laughs> I hope this, I, I hope this is more like a wrecking ball. <laughs> because I hear this all the time and I've fallen into this place. That Phariseeism, religion teaches you that you can't receive a compliment or you get prideful. So you just have to give glory to God. And so you, you walk around feeling like encouragement is evil. But do you know what the Father speaks over the Son? That's my beloved. With him I am well pleased. Do you know what we're going to hear because of the righteousness of Christ on our life and in our life? At the end, when all this mess is over, well done. Well done. Um, I, uh, I was at my, a few weeks ago, I was at uh, my daughter Grace's basketball game, and it was nearing the end of the game, and they need to score a couple buckets in order to uh, solidify the victory, and Grace was running the point guard. 
and they inbounds the ball to her, and some person trying to steal the ball really went after her. Well, Grace crosses this dude up, all right? And she, or it wasn't, it was a, uh, how do you say dude? Is that the feminine version of it, right? Because it's like a 10-year-old dudette. Uh, So uh, she crosses this dudette up, and it was awesome. It was ESPN-worthy. It was just like, you know, and she goes falling, and Grace crosses her up, drives to the foul line, and drains it, all right? Now, I didn't, there was nothing in me that, was, that, that wanted to scream, Grace, give the glory to your parents. <laughs> Grace, don't receive these good, all this good talk nonsense by the crowd. <laughs> and you know, hey, if, if I am an imperfect dad, want to see my daughter celebrated, then the, the heart of the Father, God is big enough that he, is, he, he does not see us as competition. We're not even in his league. Uh, it is okay for you to say thanks when you hear good job. And I think that some breakthrough would come to us if we could just begin to receive the encouragement of the Father knowing that we're loved. He's not going to spank us like we're getting a big head or something. He wants us to understand Yo, boy, you did good today. In fact, my son Ethan, um, they were playing uh, Hanover basketball. At least Ethan's team has never beaten Southwest until this year when they stomped them three times. <laughs> and the last, the last time, um, Ethan dropped 21 points on them. The coach on the, on the Southwest team, perhaps he's here today and we can have some restoration. But the, the coach on the other team was screaming, let him shoot. He ain't got nothing. Make him go left. When you say make him go left, Ethan would drive left. Lay it in. Uh, he can't shoot. Ethan dropped four three-pointers that game. All right? On, his, on Ethan's 20th point, Ethan runs by the bench and holds up a three in the coach's face. Uh, 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 it's my proudest moment as a father. I just, Oh, it's heaven. It's heaven. So satisfying. The refs didn't like that, and so they gave him a technical. (laughs) Oh, oh, yes. Oh, so you give the 12-year-old boy a technical for just, you know, prophesying what he just did. And you do nothing to the big, bad, angry coach the entire game. Made me frustrated. I think Ethan was scared then to talk to his coaches and scared to talk to me. I remember the first thing I did is I beelined for Ethan. I said, dude, 21 points. That's the most beautiful technical I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Did you learn something? We even have to honor and respect coaches that don't like us. But I'm proud of you. This is the culture of the kingdom. And this is what's wrecking my heart in such beautiful ways uh, in me and I, I hope um, I hope that I can be the, the kind of dad that, that shows that I'm, I'm never at competition with my kids. I hope I can be the, com- the kind of pastor that I'm never at competition with you. I literally want you to be better than me. I want you to go places and do things that I could never do. And that's how leaders lead in the kingdom. So encountering the Father's love is huge. But here's the other place, and this is what I want to dig into for the next 15 minutes. And this is why you have your Bibles open to Isaiah Chapter 30. The other place is, is where the, 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 the breakthrough can elude us in the Father's love. 
because we see our experience of pastors and church and the Bible is, is all angry God, angry Jesus, and we think of God as judgmental instead of love, and we have to see ourselves through the cross, okay? So it can elude us in the Father's love, but breakthrough can also elude us in, in another place, and I would say, uh, digging down even deeper, this is a, is a, is a, deeper, a deeper secret to my tears, and here's what it is. It's an, it's an ancient door, okay? It's an ancient door. This is not new revelation, all right? This is an ancient door that would give a new blessing in our day if we would walk through it. But this is, here's what it is. It's a posture of repentance. A posture of repentance has unlocked my tears in wonderful ways. Can I say this? Some of your marriages are struggling really, 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 really bad. And it's because you care more about being right and heard and seen than you do about humbling yourself and taking ownership for your own faults and repenting. Some of you, like, you spend all kinds of money on all kinds of books and all kinds of seminars and all kinds of whatever you can to try to be heard, be seen, figure this out. But there's an ancient door that would unlock a blessing in your marriage or in your relationships. Hey, if you don't have many friends, I would ask yourself, when's the last time I've repented? That'd be a good question for you. A posture of repentance is an ancient door, and it takes you to tears. It takes you to brokenness. You know how easy it is to get bitter? Pretty easy. You know how easy it is to be offended? Easier still. You know how easy it is to form an opinion from that opinionated, bitter, offensive place? It's how we live. But do you know how heavenly it is to usher in a real biblical posture of repentance in the world? It's it's life-changing, world-changing. It's like a wrecking ball to society. It's like a wrecking ball. Like, and instead of screaming at politicians and stuff, I would start modeling repentance and just watch, watch like old, uh, old foundations crumble under that. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15 says this, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning in rest you shall be saved. I always, I always uh, let me keep reading it. In quietness and trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling that's the whole verse. And this is the verse that's been pummeling me all week. I remember this verse from my youth when I used to read, that was the ESV. I remember reading this out of the NIV, and it said, In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust, but you would have none of it. You would have none of it. Can I toss out a suggestion? This isn't in in shame, but can I just toss out a little suggestion that if you feel alone in your world, if you feel unseen, it's not because you're unlovable, it's not because you're unvaluable, it's not because God hates you, it's not because you're rejected, but maybe it's because you ran so far down the road willingly that you're just no longer in the realm of sight. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning in rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling. Now let me tell you what's going on in Israel and Judah for Isaiah to prophesy this life-giving, life-changing, heart-wrecking truth. 
is that the Assyrians are right on the door threatening the security of Judah. The Assyrians have a nasty army. They are uh, evil. Uh, they want to take Judah down. And so what's going on is we see if you, if you look at, at verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 30, it says, Ah, stubborn children, Isaiah says, or God says, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan but not mine, and who make an alliance but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Here's the problem. Here's the context. Here's what's going on for God's people, is that as Assyria is threatening their security, they are running to Egypt for help. And not to God, who promises to be everything they need. They're not praying about it. They're just like, we got to get out of here. We're going back to Egypt. It's interesting how we, we uh, tenaciously want to go to the place that held us in bondage because at least we know what was coming. Yeah, I, I'm a slave here, but at least I'm not in jeopardy here. Well, how are you not in jeopardy? Uh, God set you free at the cross. Why do you want to live in bondage? For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and trust shall be your strength, but you are unwilling. Here's what you did, is you, you settled uh, for the inferior, Egypt, rather than the superior, Yahweh. You wanted a second-rate lover. You, you, here's what sin is, it's preferring, it's valuing something that is small and pitiful over God, and it's dishonoring. God says, or, or C.S. Lewis says this, here's what sin is, it's like deciding to make mud pies in the slums instead of enjoying a vacation at the sea. And God is saying, here I am, I'll be your help. The Assyrians are no match for me, but it's settling for the second rate i got to go back to Egypt. And God says, if you would have returned to me and rested in my strength, that would have been your salvation. If you would have just quieted your heart before me and says, Daddy has me, I'm going to trust that he is all I need, that would have been your strength. But you decided to go to Egypt. And this is really the condition of so many of our souls, and this is why many of our souls are, are, are corked instead of broken, are hard instead of tender. It's because we literally choose the second rate, then conveniently blame God when it doesn't work out. God, you don't see me. Here I am fighting for my life, running to Egypt. You don't even see me. Well, I see you, and I offered you strength and salvation, but you decided to go with a second-rate lover. I don't get this. This isn't how the kingdom works, child. I see you, and it breaks my heart. Because you know what Jesus said when Jesus looked on Jerusalem that was about to uh, slay him? He says, Jerusalem, I, I wish that like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, I wish that's what I could do to you. But you wouldn't have that either. You keep running out from under my protection. And then you get angry at me about it and bitter at me about it, bitter at the people I love about it. You always have to blame. You always have to blame, but you never repent. You rarely return. If you would come home and say, Dad, I really messed up, I'd be all over that. 
but you keep trying to do it on your own, your marriage on your own, your profession on your own, your thoughts on your own, your porn on your own. Why don't you try welcoming God into that? It would make you very uncomfortable. What, is he not a greater joy? Is he not a greater blessing? When have you ever been satisfied with pornography? You have to keep going back and back and back. Jesus, just a taste of him this morning captured me in ways that I'm just like, oh God, I just went the abundance of your house. Returning here is the word for repentance. And repentance is a word that we usually run from instead of return to. Because often we associate repentance with shame-based punishment. Pastors rubbing our nose in our worst moments. I want to invite everybody up here to repent. All your shame, all your pain sucks. Let's rub it. I want you to confess to the whole congregation here. I've seen people that have messed up privately that churches have, have shamed and embarrassed publicly, and it's disgusting. Some of you are wearing some of those moments in your life. God wants to set you free from those. That was not the father, Father's heart. That was Phariseeism at its finest. So far from the kingdom. Biblical repentance is not God rubbing our noses in our worst moments and our greatest weaknesses, but repentance is returning to the Father's lap. Repentance is when I'm in danger from, from Assyria, I don't run to Egypt. I don't make an alliance with, with someone weak. I, I run back to dad. And the problem here in this passage is that they're running away uh, from God to a second-rate ally, not trusting the promises of God, not resting in God. Do you know the word rest here is the same terminology that, that, uh, that Moses speaks of the heart of the Father in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, when Moses says, when, when Moses and, and all of Israel are being threatened now by Egypt, <laughs> years prior, Egypt wants to kill you. Years later, you want to run to them for protection. Guys. But when Egypt was on the doorstep of Israel. Moses declares from the heart of the Father, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. You have only to be silent. The Lord's gonna fight for you. This is, the, this is a protection, a promise of, of, uh, and provision of protection for God's people that we stand on. God, I don't have to scream at my enemy. I have to rest in you. And quietness and trust is my strength. I don't muster my own strength up from somewhere within me. Um, I don't, God's not giving us like a coach's pep talk at halftime. Guys, you have it in you. you. You can get out there and do this. God's like, I've got it in me. And what I have in me, I'd love to release to you if you would have it. If you would have it is the key. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. So your salvation, your protection, instead of getting that from someone inferior, you can get it from the Father who is superior to all things. It's returning and resting. And interestingly enough, a biblical concept of what, what repentance is begins to unlock places inside of your heart that you never knew you had. When you're not afraid of, of being shamed by the Father, but you are expectant of being embraced by, by Him at your worst moment, that's pretty phenomenal. 
And some of us have let some lies into our souls that have shaped our view and our perception of the Father. So God, when my parents were getting divorced and you saw me crying in my closet, where in the world were you? Guys, when I was being cheated on, where in the world were you? Guys, or God, when, when I, I lost my job and now my family is struggling miserably and I feel like a failure as a father, where in the world are you, God? And we begin to believe lies about God based on the pain that our situation gives to us. I was talking to a, a friend having like a healing session on a phone with a guy that lives in Alabama. I was telling him about my pain. I was really opening up to him. And he's like, wow. He's like, he's like what, uh, what do you believe about yourself? What does that pain tell you about you? I said, well, that I'm a failure, that I'm second rate. He, says, he said, let's take a step further. What does this pain tell you about God? Bursting out of my mouth that he doesn't care. And he says, instead of commiserating with me about that, if you've ever thought the thought that God doesn't care, you have to renounce that as a lie. And so what, what my, my, here's what a good friend does. Instead of commiserating, oh yeah, God doesn't care. I can see why you'd feel like that. Oh, let's get, let's get around this person. God, you don't care. You haven't seen, you don't know. That guy saw that as a lie and he said, right now, you repent of that out loud on this phone. You repent of that lie right now. Forever believing that for a moment. And so, man, were the tears coming. Because, guys, repentance over the right things. And I, I went running back to the Father, and I, I'm a miserable mess. And he's, he's praying on the other end of the phone. I'm like, I'm like, Father, because of the situations that you've allowed me to go through, I actually believe that you don't care, that I'm not seen, that I'm second rate, that I'm junk, that I'm miserable. And I was just pouring all, God, I'm so sorry for ever believing that about you. And he said, now make a true confession. I said, God, I believe that your word says that you do care. I believe that the cross says that you do care. I believe that I once was dead, but now I am alive. I once was an orphan, but now I'm a son. <laughs> and tears can flow in that place. How many lies have we been believing about our spouses and about our children, about our bosses, about our churches, about pastors in general, about whatever, but about God most importantly? I would encourage you guys, let, let uh, this ancient door called repentance take you to a place where you begin to repent of false views of God based on present situations and circumstances. Don't find yourself for a moment running to Egypt when the Father says, I've got strength here for you. Strength here for you. Can I tell you here in my, in my last moments that you, you want to talk about a, a dose of the Father's heart? You know, uh, we talk about love and God's, you know, love, and, and He so is, but sometimes the, the, the love of the Father compels us. I learned this week about the kind of love that the Father has that doesn't always feel good, but it's very strong. I uh, took my family to an indoor water park. It's called Kalahari. My kids had off school on Thursday. We went to the water park, we did our things, we went down slides, and I almost lost my life twice. I can't swim well. Um, if you're gonna empty me out into seven feet of water, can you tell me first, all right? So, 
So we're doing all this stuff, and then when it was time to go home, the Kalahari had given us these, these four uh, arcade passes that had $25 each on them. And of course, the kid's like, we got to hit the arcade. And we're like, ah, against our best judgment. Okay, well, I started setting records on the hoop, hoop shoot, uh, shoot, all right? I, I'm not joking. I was setting records. I was like, man, there. And Ethan, I was like, man, I feel like a man right now. My whole family's gathering around. People, I'm seeing them watch. Tickets are spouting out of that thing like it's a fire hydrant, man. I'm like, <laughs> Ethan and I decide to go shoot some robots. And uh, Grace and Adrian decide to go do something womanly. I thought Lena was with Adrian, and Adrian thought Lena was with me. Lena's my six-year-old girl. And we left. Lena all by herself. We were gone for about 20 minutes until we came back together. And I said, where's Lena? Adrian's like, I was going to ask you the same question. We're like, she's gone. She's We've been gone for 20 minutes. And so as a family, we begin to comb the arcade. The, the arcade has to be 100 yards long. It's the biggest arcade I've ever seen. And know that Lena is the kind of person, she wouldn't just get lost in her own world. If she was having a problem, we'd hear about it. But there was no cry to hear. And we went through that once, and my heart starts beating. And we go through the whole thing as a family spread out twice. And my heart starts plummeting, and we go through a third time. And now there's a river of lies coming into my mind where the enemy is trying to tell me, this is going to be your story. This is going to be your story. You lost your daughter. You know what kind of a man you're going to feel like? You know how you're going to face? How are you going to sleep another night? And I, I, all I could say in those moments, I was like, oh, God. Oh, God, come on. This is not going to be my story. Oh, God. Now we check our kids in and we report this to the authorities. And now, now uh, the authorities are running around the place with us. And they're on walkie-talkies. And suddenly the head of security comes and says, you know, we're in trouble. And I was like, I, I was on the verge of tears. I was about to run out into the parking lot. I was about to, well, what? I, was, I was almost panicking. And then Adrian, I hear my wife screaming, Lena! God, is this happening? Is this happening? It's been a half an hour now that she's been gone. Is this happening? And, and Adrian declares in the middle of the arcade, you better show up, Jesus. <laughs> Whoa. And she looks to the main table. And Adrian runs up to this lady standing behind the desk, and she goes, my little girl's been lost for almost a half an hour. She's got olive pants on and brown hair. She's six years old. And the girl's like, Right, like we've got her like back here. <laughs> and Adrian busts through the counter and into the office, and Lena's there. Do you know what happens as Lena jumps into mommy's arms? Tears. This is interesting. This is interesting. This blows my mind. When lost are found, tears are present. <laughs> when a daughter's returned to a family, tears are present. And it's hitting me that some of you don't know how to cry because you don't know how to be found. You don't know how to cry because you don't know what it is to return. You're still lost in your orphanage somewhere, and no one's busted through the room to find you that you know of. But I want to tell you that 2,000 years ago, there was one man who busted into your situation and found you where you are, and man, he's crying to you to come home. He's paid every price that would keep you out of his kingdom. And like a lion, he's after you. He's got a war cry that if you would have, have ears to hear, it would, it would beat all of your foes. If you jump into his arms, you'd find your tears. 
we, we only know what it is to be lost too much. And we don't know what it is to be found and cry. And I, uh, my, my wife is over here. She's the one who screamed, Jesus, show up. Hey, do you want to come up here for a second? Can you welcome her up to the front just for a minute? <laughs> do you have a microphone for her? Do you have a microphone? <clears throat> yeah, I, I wanted Adrian to come up here because uh, do you know that? <sighs> hey, hon, how are you? Can you hold this? That's for you. Um, the, uh, let, let's hear it for Adrian one more time. I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah. But uh, do you know that, that part of the Father's heart, part of his image, is stamped on men? You know that? But not all of it. Some of it's stamped on women, right? It's not like men are image bearers and women are second rate. It's women are part of the image of God. And some of the things that we see coming out of, uh, do you know that, that the word azir, that's like that, that helpmate to men, that doesn't mean that women are second. It means that they're strong where men are weak. And so here's my pastor. Here's the one who's strong where I'm weak. And so the, 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 uh, the nurturing and the tenderness, those parts of the heart of God, some of us have never experienced. But I just, I believe that, um, one of, the, one of the things that God wants us to hear is kind of, is that, that voice that when a mother cries for a child, a soul hears. In fact, I've, I've got this one verse right here that says this in Isaiah 49, starting with verse 14, it says, Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. In other words, God's people are saying, I'm forgotten, I'm forsaken, I'm not seen, that's the lie. But then verse 15 says, can a woman, well, here's, wait a second, wait a second, Jesus. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. And these aren't built walls. These are crushed walls. These are broken walls. God is saying, I see your brokenness. And it, it, women, you know it's impossible to forget your children. And God's saying, God's saying, as impossible it is for a, a mother to get, forget her child, it, it, is, it is that impossible times infinity for me to forget you. It's impossible. I will not forget you. And so I wanted to invite Adrian up just to kind of model this, uh, this prayer cry and then to share anything else that you have. Do you have anything? You do? Okay. Here, let's push this button here. Okay. I've been, I had some nightmares this morning, so I know the Lord, the, the enemy doesn't want me to stand up here, but I'm going to just command my soul to obey the Lord. So commanding your soul is just what God has for me to share, that you were made for a purpose on purpose, and you are not without a purpose. It's time to leave the dead places you have buried and call those dead places in your soul to come alive by the power of Jesus living inside you. Daughter, you are chosen and seen and positioned right where you are to do battle over your soul by simply remembering you're chosen and seen. It's just those two things. He sees you and he's given us the resurrected power over the graves that we have, that we've just lived in and under. 
That's good. And I don't know, I had this simple song, this simple hymn, you know, praising my Savior all the day long. Just, your story's not finished. Yeah. <laughs> You're sitting here, it's not finished. You're not yeah. dead. He's got more for you. And that's just that's what I think God has for us. So. Well, can I ask you, can we just all stand to our feet just for a moment? Can we just stand? Just as we close out here this morning, and I just want to ask that Adrian and I, here's the thing, that Adrian and I are going to hang here till the last person leaves the church, and we want to pray for breakthrough over every marriage that would need prayer. We know how it is to battle it out, and we just want to pray um, breakthrough in your marriages, but for anybody else too, can you just maybe put your hands up on your, at your waist even, if that's the best that you can do, just in a receiving posture here? And so, God, we just, uh, we just say we, we, want, uh, we want your kingdom to crash on us. We want to tell our soul that you're better than we felt. We want to follow you with everything we've got, God. And we want, we want nothing less than breakthrough in our lives. God, would you come after us like a, like a, uh, like a she-lion after her cub? Would you come after us, God, and would you break down walls and barriers and theologies and weird things that we've held on to for, for decades? And would you, God, I just, just pray just, just the peace, just the, the, the word of God just to pierce through some of these dark places. Just a, just a real piercing, double-edged sword of your word. God, just to pierce and let, let truth follow, God. Let, let hearts be broken open, I pray, in new, fresh ways, God. Give us, grant us hearts of repentance. Grant us ears to hear the, uh, the song you would sing over us and eyes to see the greatness of the Father. God, we bless you, we praise you, and we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. And guys, we're just gonna get...